no one will ever be able to say with any credibility that today's young people don't know hardship, that they haven't persevered through things like that because they have. And I do think you learn something about yourself and that there is some value in facing adversity head on like that for extended periods of time and keeping your head above water and making it through all of that. Welcome to COVID Lessons, a Tufts Observer podcast series. Over the next five weeks, we'll explore the year at Tufts through the eyes of a professor, a chaplain, an EMT, a dining services worker, and various students. Tufts campus closed last spring to prevent the spread of COVID-19, and all students were instructed to move out by March 16th of 2020. The release of this episode marks exactly one year since this campus-wide evacuation, commemorating a year of the pandemic and its impact on all of our lives. March of 2020. Life as we knew it came to a crashing halt as SARS COVID-19 tore through the world. As we explore a year at Tufts University amidst a pandemic, COVID-19 continues to be one of the greatest challenges facing the United States. In December of 2020, the first COVID-19 vaccine was approved, making history as the fastest developed vaccine. However, the country now faces nationwide shortages and inequitable distribution of the vaccine. Despite apparent progress on February 21st, 2021, United States reported half a million deaths due to COVID-19. My name is Caitlin Duffy. And I'm Sylvia Wang. We're your co-hosts for this podcast. This is COVID Lessons, Psychology of Pandemic. This first episode of COVID Lessons features an interview with Professor Sam Summers, who works in the psychology department at Tufts. We'll be talking about how the pandemic has shifted social norms, the psychological effects of remote learning, and how students can juggle safety, social life, and academics during these turbulent times. So my name is Sam Summers. I'm a professor and chair of the Department of Psychology here at Tufts. Uh, I teach courses like Intro Psych, Psych 1, and uh, Social Psychology, uh, Psych 13. One of the major shifts in Tufts student life began in the fall of 2020. Students living on campus were placed into residential cohorts upon moving in. Cohorts are groups of up to 12 students that live together in the same residence halls. College is traditionally a really fluid environment that provides extensive opportunities to meet all kinds of people from different backgrounds, whether that's through classes or extracurriculars. What are the effects of cohorts on students? Have social norms shifted? And does that result in effects like group fragmentation? Yeah, one of the things we talk about in social psychology when it comes to um, attraction and formation of relationships, whether they're platonic or otherwise, is is proximity and, and who you get to spend time with, right? And it seems like an obvious point, but we are more likely to befriend and um, m- make uh, connections to people whose paths we cross on a regular basis. So yeah, with cohorts, you're changing the landscape of a college campus, as you suggested. College is often a place where you meet uh, just dozens and hundreds of people at all different capacities throughout the course of your week. And and now you've got a smaller cohort of people to interact with. And so, yeah, by definition, it, it, it must be changing the social experience on campus and the, the, the groups uh, to, to which you form sort of affiliations and connections and, and, and the norms within those groups. And so the whole thing is different as any student who was here before the, the pandemic can attest. It's a, it's a very different social landscape now. 
Along with the social scene on campus, academic life has also changed drastically. In March of 2020, students made the transition to entirely virtual classes. Students have had to make major adjustments to the way that they learn, whether that's spending hours on Zoom or watching asynchronous lectures. What are the psychological effects of this remote learning environment? How is it affecting students' concentration and motivation? And how is this affecting their success in school overall? So, I mean, it's a very different experience taking classes um, remotely, much as it's a very different experience teaching them for us as faculty remotely. Uh, it, is, it is draining in a different way. It is tough to um, not have uh, sort of a, a routine where you get up and you go places, right? That, that's challenging. I think for a lot of us, trying to establish some sort of routine has been beneficial over the past year. So if you're taking an asynchronous course, maybe trying to, to follow along in a regular schedule. I, I try to encourage in the fall my social psychology students to take the course Tuesday, Thursday, like we were going to and set aside time to listen to the lectures and not have it be something that you try to binge watch later, like a Netflix show. Summers talks about the idea that having a specific location tied to pieces of information can actually help you retain them better, like sitting in a classroom or lecture hall. Yeah, that's the, the idea that you're referring to there is uh, state-dependent learning uh, and cue-dependent learning, that if you're in a particular well psychological state when you learn information, you're more likely to remember it well if you're in that same state later, or for that matter, physical location. If, you're, if you learn information in a particular room, a particular setting, and then you're tested again in that setting, sometimes studies show advantages for memory. Despite the many drawbacks of remote learning, there may still be some silver linings from the new ways to conduct exams to the wider reach that Zoom has given us. So, I mean, there's a, a glass is half full aspect of this if we try to make the best of it and, and look to silver linings. Are there things that maybe we never thought we would be comfortable doing as professors or as students that maybe we'll keep going and bring with us to the post-pandemic world? Maybe, I mean, maybe, maybe some students are um, learning how self-sufficient they can be and that they can set a schedule and that they can keep to it. Uh, maybe there's some best practices that people will continue to follow in terms of their organization or uh, strategy for study. I Summers describes his experience as a professor making the same transition to remote classes. I have to say as a, as a instructor, um, I've had to relearn everything with how I teach the class and I very much am looking forward to having in-person classes again, but there's some things I may not go back to. Um, having some aspect of the class be a, in asynchronous um, a sort of supplemental component to it. Uh, testing, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm having a hard time psyching myself up to the idea of printing 200 paper hard copy exams with four different versions that I have to carry over in a giant box to a room with a bunch of scantrons and a bunch of pencils to then pass out to this group of 200 students and walk around while they take this test in cramped seats with uh, you know, thermostat too high or too low and people coughing or trying to get out and get out of the way so they can go to the back. That whole nightmare of the in-person huge exam, proctoring it, taking it. Gosh, I, I've sort of loved your exam is on Canvas. You've got you're taking a quiz and not an exam. It's it's 30 questions, it's it's 30 minutes or whatever it is, you know, good luck. And then there's the score boom, not having to take those scantrons back and run them all through the machine. Anyway, uh, the point being, maybe there's some things that we can take that that were, we were forced into that that were not the way we, we drew things up, but that we can incorporate. Um, I, I, in my social psych class, I did 
these interviews with um, psychologists all over the all over the world. Actually, uh, just short eight minute interviews where I asked them a few questions about a topic at hand. Students got to learn from professors at all different types of universities, professors from all different types of disciplinary backgrounds and demographic backgrounds and, and so on and so forth. And, and that was a real, I think, added value added to the class that wouldn't have been there otherwise. And I still have those videos. Can I incorporate them moving forward? So maybe there's some stuff we can take as well. The importance of mental health has also come to the forefront of this pandemic. In social psychology, we learned that social relationships are one of the main predictors of general happiness. Summers talks about the difficulties of connecting virtually with others during the pandemic. For example, in a class setting where everyone has cameras and mics off. Yeah, I mean, I think we've all seen as both students and instructors that, I mean, being on Zoom and taking classes on Zoom um, works Better. It feels more like a class if people's cameras are on, if, if they're talking to each other, if in breakout rooms there's some sort of interaction and so forth. But, but at the same time, people have varying Wi-Fi access and other reasons for wanting cameras on versus off. And so that's a fine line that we've all been trying to navigate. And I think we've all seen, and it's the same in person, right? When you go to a class and everyone's got their face buried in their laptop and not paying attention and engaged in the discussion, it's a very different social experience than it is when people are engaged and having conversation and discussion or engage with a lecture. And so this isn't a unique problem to the online class. It's just that in an online class, it's just that much easier to disengage and to multitask and to, uh, to not feel really connected. And With regards to the breakout room feature on Zoom, which has been widely used in remote classes, Summers talks about when they work and when they don't. And I think the breakout rooms, from what I heard from, I've heard from students, that it, last spring was one thing when you took a class that had met until March and everyone suddenly had to go home and you'd put people in breakout rooms and they were thrilled to get to see each other and catch up and spend time together. But you can't just magically create breakout rooms in a new semester when students have no connections to one another and expect that they're going to have these wonderful conversations and engagement in, in those breakout rooms. And so uh, that's challenging. And more generally, I, I do think that the biggest challenge that the pandemic has posed for students and faculty and just human beings is the, is the social component. The pandemic has significantly changed the ways in which we connect with others, and navigating those obstacles can be challenging. The small daily interactions that were taken away from us by the pandemic were actually more meaningful than many of us realized. Psychologists talk about human beings having a need for affiliation, a need for for connection to one another, social needs, that that's something that we can fulfill in a variety of ways, but that we do have. And, and, and it has multiple components. I mean, there's just knowing that you have people that, that care about you emotionally and that you have emotional connection with, that's an important part of, of a need for affiliation. Those of us in society who don't feel like we have that can feel very lonely and that can be literally physically painful, but that, that, that can be very challenging. But even if you have that, even if you have family members, um, friends, people who you know care about you and, and that you can trust uh, and, and confide emotions in and so forth. Even if you know you have that, absent sort of regular interaction with people, absent um, having the opportunity to connect with and, and, and talk to them and see them um, on a regular basis, we still can feel very lonely. We still can feel like our need for affiliation isn't being met. I mean, it, it is great to know you have those connections, you have those people that are out there, but if you don't get a chance to see them and interact with them regularly, um, we can still feel lonely. And, and a lot of what I think 
people are realizing that they're missing during the pandemic are just the little moments, right? The the people that maybe you don't know all that well on this campus, but you sit within a class or you pass, you know, cross paths with in the, in the library or the dining hall and have a brief conversation with uh, those little things over the course of a day are missing. And some of us like to have more of those than do others. Some of us are more uh, keep to ourselves types who who need time to to recharge solo, but and some of us need more of those. But regardless, we all appreciate some aspect of that regular, meaningful interaction. And and as you suggested earlier, when we are in cohorts and we don't cross paths with as many people, we're we're missing out on all those sort of little interactions that we have with with our fellow our human beings, and uh, and we're missing out on like the physical touch and and comfort that can be with being with others. Just sort of sitting there next to one of your good friends and, and, and laughing or having someone put an arm around you or a quick hug or a handshake or any of those things, um, that, that adds up clearly. One of the largest questions that we're left with is what the world will look like post-pandemic. Will the normalcy that we once took for granted return to us? It is usually the case in a society that norms, social norms, right? The, the unwritten rules and expectations that govern our behavior and tendencies, that those norms evolve slowly over time. We've had a, a one-year period where norms have just dramatically changed in a very short period of time, right? We went from a campus where few people were wearing masks in, in like a large class setting or large group setting to, well, it being a rule that people wear masks, but we'll see sort of how that uh, plays out. How, how do you greet people uh, at, when we reach some sort of acceptable level of vaccination? Are, are you know handshakes and hugs and things like that uh, are those artifacts of the past? I mean, how are we going to navigate that whole uh, process moving forward? You have conversations with people who say, you know, at this point in time, if I'm somewhere like a grocery store or a coffee shop to do something quickly and and there are like more than a half dozen people, I start to feel nervous, like my personal space is being infringed upon in a way that I never would have before, it's going to be very interesting to see what the lingering social and psychological effects of, of this time will be on, on all of us on a college campus, but just society at large. Over everything else, Summers commends the way that young people have dealt with the pandemic and continued to persevere. Students today can, should take some solace in the idea that, that they w- will be always able to, to, say to other people under themselves how resilient they have been during this crisis to, to not ever let you know older generations have a way of, of of complaining about younger generations and saying uh well kids today and then completing the sentence however they want to complete that sentence they're always on their phones all they care about is taking selfies and posting on social media or whatever the you know they're apathetic whatever the 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 the, uh, the criticisms du jour are of of the contemporary young generation um but Today's young people, today's college students should be able to and should clap back at that pretty loudly to say, no, what, what are you talking about? Look at, look at what we went through in our senior year of high school, our first year of college, or, or, and, and look how resilient we have been throughout all of that. that you know, we, we lost proms, we lost sports seasons, we lost musical productions, and uh, we, we, we live in a world where we can't sing and play brass or woodwind instruments in the way that we would have otherwise, and all the things that we, our graduations were changed, and and to emerge the other side of that, still sort of going, still motivated, still um, engaged, and, um, and and just resilient in general, I think is something that 
Um, no one will ever be able to say with any credibility that today's young people don't know hardship, that they haven't persevered through things like that because they have. And I do think you learn something about yourself and that there is some value in facing uh, adversity uh, head on like that for extended periods of time and keeping your head above water and making it through all of that. During this time, college students are juggling academics, social life, safety, and many other stressors in their life simultaneously. When asked about any advice he would give students, Summers emphasized the importance of routine and recognizing past successes. I mean, some of what I just said would apply, which is take stock of the, the successes here and the things you have been able to do and the, the grades you've been able to get and the friends you've been able to make and the, the, the transitions for people who are just starting college that you've been able to navigate successfully under adverse conditions um, and, and find, find little moments of routine and happiness that work for you and it's different for everybody and it's probably changed three or four times over the course of the pandemic because what seemed like it could be three or four weeks or a month or two is closing in on a year now um and so those little things whether it's uh you know i i, I do the the new york times crossword puzzle on my phone every night when it comes out for the next day and depending on the day of the week it's you know uh, that could be like a five, 10 minute endeavor. That could be like a 30, 45 minute, 60 minute endeavor. And, and it's, um, it's a small thing, but it is something that I look forward to. And it is sort of time to block everything else out and not be stressed out by the lectures I haven't recorded or the things that I or my kids are missing out on. Um, and, and so find little things like that, you know, use uh, the Netflix party thing and on Chrome and, and watch a show with a friend from high school who you haven't gotten to talk to. Um, I know like it was easier said than done, or at least sustained over a whole year. Like people were setting up regular Zoom or, or Skype appointments with their family or with an old friend, like every Wednesday. Or, and I know it's like, well, that's been going on for a long time, but find things for your schedule, for yourself, even if it's on your own, that you can look forward to, that you can take some, some, peace from and some satisfaction in. Uh, maybe that's going for a run or maybe that's, uh, you know, cooking or baking yourself something special with some sort of regular increment. Just we need things like that. It's not enough to just focus on keeping our figurative heads above water with everything that's going on. I think we need little light uh, houses to, to grab onto and to help sort of pull us through and navigate through the, the choppy waters to use a really extended and lousy metaphor. It's things to, to look forward to to help get us through this. And finally, some last words from Professor Summers to all of the students navigating college during this pandemic. Uh, just, ha I mean, hang in there and be proud of yourselves. I mean, we're all sort of proud of you for, for doing what you're, what we're all doing for being as, um, for being as cooperative and pro-social and, um, uh, proactive about the, the guidelines that we have on this campus as, as you have been, uh, you know, there was all this talk about on not about Tufts, but just more generally, that bringing college students back was going to be a nightmare. What's the population that's least likely to follow rules, college students or high school college students, um, and all that. I mean, you've proved everyone wrong that when the right structure with the right values on a campus, that that is something you can totally do. And, and you've all been role models, I think, for college students everywhere. So take take some pride in that. And, and I think that the fact that we've been able to pull everything off this semester, this year, the way we have, yes, a lot of credit to the administration. Yes, credit to your faculty members who've been able to sort of pull things together and provide an educational experience for you. But I think 
more than anything, credit to, to all of you. So you should, uh, I think, take some, some pride and some solace in that. That was Professor Sam Summers on the lessons we can take away with us from this year as we hopefully move past the pandemic. While there have been many obstacles from remote learning to a restricted social landscape, there have also been silver linings. And above all, this year has been a testament to the resilience of Tufts students, faculty, and staff. COVID Lessons, Psychology of Pandemic was written and produced by Sylvia Wang and Caitlin Duffy with the oversight of Florence Almeida and Sophia Pertel from The Observer Podcast. Cover art was created by Julia Steiner. Thank you for listening. Next episode, we will be exploring the changes within the chaplaincy at Tufts with an in-depth interview with Lynn Cooper.